Welcome to the Navigating Disruption Podcast. I'm your host, Shaquille Barmel. I'm the CEO of Ocean Blue Strategic and partner with The Summit Group. I'm a coach, consultant, and speaker, and I help leaders, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals make an impact through improved performance. In this podcast, I share insights and interviews with interesting leaders to define practical lessons that you can use to make an impact in the face of uncertainty. Danny Kelly interviewed me for my first job. It wasn't your typical interview or the one I prepared for. You will hear that story here. Danny was one of those influential leaders in my career. I didn't report to him, but he earned my respect because he was a teacher. I could go to him with any problem and there'd be no judgment and usually there'd be laughter, but there was always lessons learned. Danny and I first met when I was in my 20s and he was in his 40s. He was a sales manager. And now, 30 years later, Danny is still working. He's still teaching. He's still mentoring. He's the regional manager of PowerSource Canada. Listen in as we reminisce about the good times and the lessons we learn. Enjoy the conversation. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing good. Thrilled. I'm thrilled to be able to connect with you. Thanks for uh, making the time. Hey, no problem. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You're doing really, really well for yourself. Oh, for you. thanks, Danny. You know, I have to say, I've really enjoyed what I'm doing with these uh, uh, interviewing people I've worked with in the past, and I can't tell you how much joy it's brought me. Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. It's like it's like going back to your grade one teacher and being able to say all the things that you learned <laughs> and how it impacted me. It's kind of it's kind of like been like that. So it's been really fun. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of neat. I listened. I think it was one with Jeff. I can't remember now. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. good. So I have, I don't really actually know all the questions we're going to ask you because this is just a free-flowing conversation. <laughs> I, I, I do want I do want to start with this memory because, you know, there's certain things I can tell you now that I'm 50 years old that I was probably too scared to tell you when I was 23. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I don't know if you, you knew this, but when I was interviewing for the job to work at Mohawk Lubes, I interviewed with Jeff and then I interviewed with you and John Grant. And you two scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I was probably more John than me. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what it was. It was like, it was actually, I remember the exact sentence. It was something like, and you got to F and go to the plant and tell them we need our product because we can't do business. Oh, that, that was probably me. That was probably me. <laughs> oh, man. Danny, you turned out to be one of the best mentors in, in that time of my career. You know, there's a few things very clearly I learned for you. When there was conflict between sales and manufacturing, what I learned later in my career that that is more common than not right? Yeah, yeah. Conflict between sales and manufacturing, conflict between marketing and sales. But I got to see it firsthand. And what I also witnessed with the way you and John managed things is you could have conflict and tell people what you thought in a conversation, but then it was over, right? Sure. Yeah. I remember oh, when, yeah. when Matt, the plant manager, came over one time and we were talking about pricing setting the pricing up for the for the next year. And you guys were going head to head. And I was this guy in the corner of the room taking notes. And you guys were going head to head. And then it was lunchtime. And John said, should we go for lunch? And then he went for lunch. And it was nothing but howling laughter 
<laughs> all lunch and everyone was happy and I thought oh this is really great everyone's in a good mood again and then we went back in and back at it <laughs> like in the room right so yeah. separating right separating personal relationships from business conflict that was my first chance seeing that and I realized it's really important Shaquille I honestly think back then like I do a lot of stuff based on my gut feel right and I knew Mohawk like I mean we were all part of somebody's family right and like your dad had the station, right? So there's there's that little connection. And sometimes you got to try even harder. Yeah. You can like coach his kids sometimes, right? So I tried to be mindful of that when you came in. Yeah. But right from the beginning, I honestly did have a good gut feel like this kid's he's a good guy. He's he's going to do okay. You know, like I was instantly comfortable. I was trying to say to you, hey, like this isn't an easy job, mm-hmm. but like for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish, mm-hmm. we need you going to the plant and telling the guy to get off his ass or whatever it, yeah. it needed to be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I remember even saying to you, and he meant this is not a, like a nine to five or, yeah. right? It's, <laughs> right? But I, I, I think I, I, I felt at the time you were the right guy to say that kind of stuff to because that was going to make us a better group and and you're going to know from the start like this is not a skating rink like everybody's going hell bent for leather and we need somebody in that position that would do that with us right and it's not just becoming a part of the team it's being a a competent player and a competitive player on the team i mean so so it's really important um uh, to let people know what the heck they're getting into like being yeah. straight with them and kind of not, not being all sunshine and roses. It's about, right. I'm going to tell you what it's really going to be like. Yeah. You got to make your decision knowing that. I mean, there's times in my life, I know this for sure, at Mohawk and at my other places I've worked, where I've kind of probably said too much sometimes or said it in the wrong tone or, you know, you know but that's, that's, you know, I try really hard not to do that. But uh, at, at most, I'd say 95% of the time, I'm honestly trying to say something to somebody without offending them or poking at them or what I'm, you know, it's, it's kind of sometimes it's your style and sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. And there's times where I've said, oh man, I shouldn't have said it that way. Yeah. But, but again, like you and me. All these years, we can still just get together and have a phone call and have BS. Like it's absolutely. I mean, yeah. your sense of humor always, always um, helped situations. So even if you were talking about something serious, you could easily switch and throw in a joke and make me laugh at the same time. So it kind of yeah. kept kept things in moderation, which I think you is also. Remember we went to Regina. <laughs> <laughs> So for the because this is like an inside joke, so I'm gonna let other people in there listen to this. So um I I leave the lubricants team after about a year and a half. You guys gave me a really hard time for deserting the team, but I went to head yeah. office. Uh and then about a few months in, you actually got another job, pretty cool job, taking over the growth of the branded distributor network, yep. mostly in the prairie. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And so you called yep. me and said, I want you to come over. To the prairies and tour tour things with me. I think back to that time, Shaquille, and I think I had so much confidence in you mm-hmm. that I knew that you would come with me and you would bring something to what I'm 
trying to do because, you know, honestly, I, I, I thought you had you kind of started your career with us, but that was just your start. You're, I knew you were going somewhere. Honestly, I did. And I think I, I worked for a guy years ago, Roy Street, actually, from Castro. And he always says to me, don't be frightened to have good people with you because they're just going to make you stronger. Don't ever think they're going to steal your job or any of that kind of stuff. Just make sure you're part of it. You've got good people with you. And that's what I was looking for from you. I thought, like, Shaquille's kind of guy. He's going to come with me. And he'll look at it and he'll tell me if I'm full of BS or, or he'll give me a good opinion or he'll probably contribute something good to this. And I just thought we were great together. Yeah, it was good. Right? It was good. You mentioned the name Roy Street. After all of these years, I've never met the man. But in you telling me stories and coaching me when I was younger, you mentioned that name. And when you mentioned it to me now, right now, I remembered you mentioned yep. the name. So that name is somebody that's influenced you and still oh, stands sure. out. What, what was the biggest thing he gave you back in, in the start of your career? Roy always had a few balls in there kind of thing, right? He, just, he was always thinking and he was pretty open with his thoughts and he wasn't, you know, he, and he, if you went in with something, he wasn't the kind of guy who would just go, no, no, that's never going to work. He'd, he would at least listen unless it was something outrageous, right? But uh, I just found him, he was uh, genuine, yeah. right? He just he was just a really good guy. And one thing that did strike me away, yeah. after he met you, yeah. he'd come back a year later and he'd remember your wife's name and your kids' names. And like he was just really connected with you sort of thing. Yeah. He passed away yeah. about three years ago now. And one of my, Brian from Duckham's in England, I still keep in touch with him. Oh. <laughs> he sent me a note, let me know that Roy passed away. Kind of. Remind me, because I, I wanted to dig in way back when I worked with you, but I wasn't, um, didn't have the presence of mind then. You actually got your start as a mechanic, right? Yes. Can you kind of walk me through how you went from mechanic to basically being a manager in a corporation? Shaquille, I tell you, I worked... I, I, in Scotland, you had to be in a trade yeah. as an apprentice by the time you were 15 and a half, okay, because you left school at 15. And I was joining the Merchant Marine. I'm going to see the world. My three brothers had been in, my grandfather had been in, so I'm not going to be an apprenticeship. So I joined the Merchant Marine, went for a couple of years, came back, worked with deco belts kind of thing. And then when I emigrated, I thought I need to get a trade. And you have the opportunity in Canada to start a trade almost at any age, right? And I was pretty mechanically sound. So I took an apprenticeship. And uh, I worked for a Citroen Fiat dealer in Calgary. And then uh, finished up with another Fiat dealer and then the Jeep dealer. But I was in my fourth year of my apprenticeship. And the guy from Castro Oil came in. And he used to call on us. And he says to me, uh, how about you come work for me? You know, and I can go, really? And he says, yeah, you've been good at this, Danny. Well, hmm. I said, yeah, but I've got to do my apprenticeship and stuff. And he says, well, give us some thought. Yeah. We'd be open to interviewing you because I think you'd probably be a fit for us. So then I went to my instructor at the SAIT at the time yeah. and talked to one of the guys. He was a really good guy. And he says to me, you know what? Do you really want to be a mechanic for the rest of your life? And I said, no, I wouldn't mind being like a service manager or something, but I don't want to be the mechanic, tell the truth. And he says, uh, so pull the, pull the plug, 
go take the sales job. He says, and if you come back in two years, anybody will hire you as a fourth year apprentice, no problem. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. I got interviewed with Castro, took the job and kept my toolbox in the in the basement for a year. Because you just never, never know, right? And then it was I was with Castro. So you had um somebody that kind of gave you a shot at it, gave you an opportunity. Yes. Um, uh, and then you went to seek advice and seek help from somebody and they just to get a, I'm going to bounce it off. And again, I went to a guy, one of the instructors that I thought was a, cause you had different instructors even that say it right for different electronics and all that kind of stuff. And this guy, Norm is just super good guy. Yeah. You know, and him and me just kind of connected sort of thing. He was like a big brother or dad or something. I don't know that time, but just, the kind of guy I can go and ask him and I know truly he's going to tell me, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's what made me make the switch. And, you know, the funny thing is the Irish guy that I went to work with, Morris, again, like Shaquille, I've been so fortunate that most of the people I work with are good people. Mm. Like I just, you know, sometimes you can't, they say you just fall in and you come out smelling like a rose kind of thing, you know, it's, and this guy, he, I mean, he interviewed me, and then he, his boss, John McDonald. Do you remember John McDonald? Probably remember John McDonald, absolutely. John was the general manager of Castro at that time, right? Oh, okay. So, so then he interviewed me, yeah. and then they decided, yeah, they're going to bring me on board. So that was me into the sales game kind of thing, right? And then they moved me to Vancouver in 79 or something, because wow. they were going from a bunch of jobbers to just having two distributors. So they're going more distributor base. Yeah. And then that's why I finished up out there. And then when Roy came out there, I'd actually switched to work for CleanFlow, which was a sister company for a couple of years, straight commission. And Roy phoned me one day and said, uh, how's it going? And they just bought Spartan. They just bought Spartan oil. So he phoned me, hey, I'm going to go for lunch. So why don't you come work with me? Gosh. Walk. And I'm saying, re-refined oil? Roy, I work for Castro right now. And he says to me, well, come see the plant and then yeah. tell me what you think. So he yeah. took me for a tour of Flint and I saw the process. And It was ahead of its time. It really was. Oh, just excellent, actually. I mean, I looked at the quality and what they were doing and how they were doing it. And uh, Well, you know, just so everybody who's listening that doesn't know anything about re-refined lubricants. So we would have trucks going out collecting oil from tanks in the back of garages. Yeah. And the oil would come back. We would take it to this plant in North Vancouver and clean it up, process it over and over and over again. And like out the other end comes beautiful, golden, clear yep. base oil. Yeah. It was amazing to see that early in my career. To, I, was, I was, it was so proud to know that you were part of something like that. You know, Shaquille, the real secret that they had as Mohawk at that time was, you know, if you bring in garbage, you've got a lot of garbage to dispose of, right? And the, the real Good move that guys long before I got involved did. They had it set that you only picked up the best of the best almost, right? So when the, all the drivers had pipe uh, branches. Yeah. And I know when I joined with Bellcorp, I gave them all aluminum ones because those big steel ones were pretty heavy. Yeah. But the idea was drop the pipe in, yeah. take it up six inches or so, yeah. clamp the pipe on, right? So you weren't taking all that. The dregs, and then of course the benefit for Mohawk, well, the stations was we managed their tanks for them. Yeah. 
So it kept the tanks clean and we didn't get any junk kind of thing. Right? Yeah, it was all locked up, I remember, to keep the yeah. water out and all that kind of thing. Even though we went to a garage, like internally in some garage, we still didn't put it to the bottom of the tank because yeah. it was bringing the better you bring in the less you have to deal with and that and is that life works garbage in garbage out you know that keeps yeah. it, I, you know one of the things i remember one of the biggest insights i had in that time um i was working on a project to kind of see if i could we could develop a strategy for growing the, the lubricant business when i moved to the strategy department and i remember a big light bulb went off when I asked, I can't remember if it was John McDonald or he had already left. It was Chris that took over for him. And I asked the question, what is your ideal state in business? And they basically said, if we sold every drop of our product as base oil, that would be our dream. Yeah. Then you go over to the lubricant sales team saying, what's your dream? Well, we want to sell this product and this product and this product which had lots of, there were specialty lubricants with additives and all sorts, because you can get a higher price for that, higher margin for that. And I realized at that moment that we had two parts of the business that were actually set up, set up to be in conflict. So unless you sure. could find a way to navigate the interests and align the interests, and that was actually the first time in business that I realized that, that unless you get at the base level, people aligned as to what we're trying to accomplish here, you're going to see conflict happen. And I think that was a big part of the conflict we had around pricing and everything stemmed from that. Sure. And, um, you know, I think based on that, again, you've got one group that are targeting because they're marketing guys kind of yeah. thing, right? And you've got the other guys that just want to turn all the gears and all the pumps on yeah, and just let the stuff flow, flow in and flow back out again and, and not a lot of interaction with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Or cost attached, right? You know, and they were both right. Yeah. You know, one of the things I remember, I was, I still can picture it in my head. I, I had a cubicle like way back when I first started. It was like almost by the fire exit. Like I just yeah. put me in the corner there when I first started. And um, right after lunch one time, you came over, you strolled over and you said, hey, come with me. And then you took me for a walk in the warehouse. And as we walked, you were kind of asking questions out loud of, you know, when you see this rack empty, what does it make you think? And then you'd walk around and say, when you see that guy running around like that, we got a big order coming in. And you taught me how to basically manage by walking around and pick up things and observe signals and ask questions. I use that practice for the rest of my career. I was just finished being a COO at a large organization and I would regularly just pop around the office, walk around and the things you'd see, you'd hear when people didn't know you were coming, you know, nothing yeah. bad, but you'd hear a few things, no, no. get away and you remember. And so really great lesson you taught me about just sometimes get off your, get out of your desk and go look around. Go look sure. around. And you, you know, I think if, if you become, you don't need to become one of the guys, yeah. but you just need to be there with the guys and gals sometimes and just, see what's going on and, and have them so that, I mean, I remember an accountant, I think it might have been, been Freddie Ginger that said to me one time, if you want to get 10% saving or trim off the fat of 10%, don't go to the employees and ask them, tell them we need 10%. Just tell them we need to try and do some trimming and tidy things up and see if we get a better margin or something. See, you'll get more than you would ever ask for. Yeah.
Yeah, you know, that's really how I felt with people in the warehouse and all that kind of stuff. We're yeah. just walking with the guys kind of thing, right? And and then people start to tell you stuff. Yeah, absolutely. People feel confident with you, right? And I, I think no different than you and me. Like like I said, when we went to the prairies, I was really comfortable with you coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah I think Gary Carver once, I wasn't quite as comfortable with him because he's sort of looking at everything, trying to compare it with something, right? Yeah, you were kind of there. Imagine, yeah. I'm curious. You would judge it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's one thing about that trip I remember. I'll tell you the story and you'll remember it because you clearly have an amazing memory for little stories. You asked me to come out to the prairies in the dead of winter, right? Yeah. So you told me it's cold in the prairies yeah. dead of winter. So I did my research and the night, the day before I'm getting my flight to arrive, I think it was in... Uh, I don't know what, Regina, I think, or Saskatoon. Regina, yeah, yeah. We're on like a two o'clock flight or something. Well, I go to Mark's work warehouse and buy the biggest parka I could find. <laughs> and so I show up at the airport with my parka and you're there almost in a short sleeve shirt on Sunday <laughs> and saying, yeah, you won't need that. We got a heat wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were a cool city, right? Day. Running around the city with a, you know, I was like 20 plus year old kid and it was a sunny day and I had this party. It was on a Sunday too, eh? It was on a Sunday too. It was on a Sunday too, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking of that experience as a, a, a managing the branded distributors trying to grow that, I mean, you were doing deals at kitchen tables. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? We were in farm country and you yeah, were, yeah. and I remember, sure, I, remember yeah. I did one in, uh, Langenberg, Saskatchewan, yeah, and I had to go out and get the contract signed, yeah. and I went to the house, the guy's wife took me in a pickup truck, out into the field, he climbed down off the uh, combine, she climbed in the combine and kept going, and he came in the pickup truck with me, and we sat there going through the documents, but I pre-sent him a set so was, we didn't have to read every word kind of thing, right, but, uh, you know, we still had some questions, and uh, I remember there was mosquitoes in the vent inside the truck and everything. Probably sat in the middle of that field for about 20 minutes or half hour. Yeah. And his wife kept going up and down with the combine. And then he finally came and or she came back and he waved to the window and she brought the combine over. He climbed in, took jumped in the truck and me, took me back to the house and I got my rental car and went back to the hotel. And that was the deal signed and done. But like the guy's farming, he's harvesting. Like he you just got to kind of work in with them, right? Yeah, but that's why they were such good people. Yeah. Right? They just, it was just a different way of doing business. But if you go, like, I learned right at the very beginning, don't go there with a suit and a tie on. They'll think you're from the government or the bank and they won't like you. Right? So you just kind of dress for the occasion and became part of what they do. And yeah. I, I remember years later. So again, I'm back in this organization, COO, and I'm responsible for stewarding our big sponsors and donors. And uh, one of the family, so there's a company that owned a lot of car dealerships and they were big sponsors of ours. So I'd go to Calgary and I'd go meet them. On a Sunday, I was at Earl's in Calgary with the owner of the company, his son, his daughter, son-in-law, and his wife, and we're having lunch at Earl's and I remembered you then because we took that family out to the keg that one night, right? Yes. The family out. It wasn't just the yeah. deal we're doing with the CEO. No, no. The whole yeah. family. Yeah, because yeah, they're part of this, they're part of it somewhere, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's just 
you know, and I think uh, I think inclusiveness with a lot of things. I mean, it's the same. I had the guy up in uh, Campbell River, Ross Hicks. And I made sure I included his driver and his bookkeeper. Anytime we went for lunch with Mulock and me or whatever, right? They just, you know, I just make them part of it because there's a lot of companies that you can deal with. If somebody takes a dislike to you, yeah, you may be the person in the back that nobody really notices. Yeah, they can make it really tough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so keep it. You got to be professional, but you gotta you gotta include everybody and and be informal when you can be informal. That's how you yeah, you know, I mean, I think sometimes companies get tied tied up with their brand, yeah. and they think the brand is everything. Right. You know, and the brand is extremely important. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's it's tough to sell something if people don't like you. Absolutely. Or if you're rubbing them the wrong way, and you have to recognize that sometimes. Sometimes there's. I remember calling a guy in Lethbridge. Yeah. At the county, and he just there's something about. Yeah, I got along with all the other counter guys. Yeah, and way back then, it's back in the seventies. I smoked. Yeah, he didn't like you if you if you smoked. Yeah. So I learned then not to light a cigarette before I went in. So at least I didn't have it on my jacket, kind of thing, right? And then over a period, yeah. him and me got along fine. Interesting. But you just that. I did. Yeah. Well, like you just it. said that about about people and relationships and the value of a brand. So there, I have data to prove that. What that point you just made. Years later, I was doing some work for um, Auto Trader. They do this, the advertising of the cars. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I was training their sales organization and we just finished doing a study. And the study involved asking their customers, their loyal customers saying, to rate the value they receive from Trader as a company. And a separate question to ask them to rate the value they received from their sales professional. And Trader had a really good brand, but the value provided by the sales professional was significantly higher than the value provided by the company. And I think that is the case. And people, so people, when they forget that, that's when they go off track. When they forget it's the relationships and the people that are what really makes the difference. You need the other company, yeah. This company I'm in now, Power Source, like we honestly, we give amazing service. Mm. And I, I compare it with the service I get sometimes when I'm dealing with manufacturers, or whatever. And we really would consider number one or number two in our industry, kind of with all the dealers. But I never forget to ask the dealer, how are we treating you? How are we looking after you? You know, or if they say, hey, Danny, we got a problem with something, talk to them right away. For sure. Uh, Danny, I know how much, I know how proud you are of your family. And so I am sorry I didn't start with that question. But give us an update on the family. Well, we're, we're, everybody's doing good. We just, you know, Mark's across the street from me with his wife and the two kids. Uh, my daughter, Lisa, lives a, b- a block and a half away from us okay. with her twins, boy and girl, and then uh, an older son. And, uh, you know, we're battling this thing with, same as everybody else, Shaquille, but we're fortunate. You know, if we can't get to see them, you know, I've got a young lad that works with me. He, his, him and his wife just had a baby three months ago. His mom and dad are in Montreal. Right. So we're, we're within a block of each other almost. So we all get to see each other and everybody's doing good. And, you know, even when Mark came, well, Mark was really with Belcourt before I was right. But super proud of the kid. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, he's done really well. And uh, my daughter, Lisa, teaches voice and musical theater and the kids all love her. And, you know, you just kind of just sort of keep going. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm 71 now and people say, when, when are you going to quit working? I'm, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, that was my that was gonna be my question, but you answered it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my boss says to me, you're not leaving anytime soon, are you? Yeah. No, no, so, That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, like I said earlier, I'm so fortunate. Like you you mentioned John Grant. Yeah. Is he super guy Is he still around? Yeah, as far as I know he is. Speaking of John Grant, like I'm I'm very nostalgic and sentimental person and I remember things very clearly. So first day, my first sit down with him when he was teaching me about doing tenders, like we were used to do yeah, yeah. well tenders for the military bases. And he sat me down, pulled out a notepad and he goes, the first thing I'm going to teach you is always write down the date at the top of a page. You know, a lot of things happen, things go crazy, but yeah. you can always go back and 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 find a note that you wrote on a particular day. To this day, every time I write a date on the top of a page, I think of John Gray. John. <laughs> like, was, he was like, you know, always dressed impeccably, right? Oh, like yeah. always had a good suit on, yeah. fit well, um, really real class act. Well, I remember one time, and he also had a temper. Well, one, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had a temper, but I, I learned one day that the temper was sometimes a tactic because I was, you know, one of the problems that I inherited, which you prepared me for, was the issue of out of stocks, right? And nothing yeah. makes a sales guy more upset is than selling a big deal for a truckload and then finding out we're, we're back ordered. So I remember there was a particular day and all the, um, uh, I guess we were out of stock on something. And John comes from the warehouse, walks out and he just starts yelling at the at all of us in inside sales. Um, I was taking it very personally that we have no product in the back. We have no product. I want everybody to pack up and go home. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to sell. Just go home. And I'm like shivering in my boots because like I feel like I'm responsible, right? And then I, I'm tall enough. So I see him go around the other side of the cubicle and I see his, the upper part of his face and he's laughing. And I realized at that moment, okay, thank God, like he wasn't serious. He wasn't really angry. He was just making a statement. But that was it, right? The humor and the playfulness was always there, which is really Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. Everybody knew they had something to do. And I mean, I, I've said it to people over the years too. We all have to come to work. Yeah. And we all have to be nice to each other. We don't have to hug and kiss each other. We have to be presentable and nice to each other. And we're going to have a little bit of fun while we're doing this. We're going to be here for a while, right? It can't all be just sort of stern with a big stick kind of thing, right? Yeah. I remember John coming in one day and saying, saying bye to everybody. And uh, they were going, what's happening? I'm the next millionaire. I just won a million. I got this. I got this to send this to me. And it was that, what was it? You know, the magazine that. <laughs> Whatever, that big man food stakes. Yeah, everybody's just, some of the people are going, John, that's not real, you know, and he's going, oh, no, it's, look, it's even got my name on it. They've sent it me ahead of time. It just, he was just priceless with some of his humor, right? Great sense of humor. Just a really great yeah. sense of humor. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from watching both of you. I mean, that was my first career experience. So I had the comparison of a Jeff Mulock style, right? And I interviewed him so people know about his style. And then I yeah. had your style and John's style, which is in some ways the other extreme, but actually, yes. you know, now Very. that I think about it, lots of similarities, right? Sure. For people, you know, make mistakes, it's okay, but 
there's just a there was a difference in the frontline approach, and I learned both sides. And I, I talk about it a lot now, um, and I, I shared it with in my interview with Cause Hercules and Buddha. You need both the Hercules hard driving, push people hard, and then you need the soft side and the empathy. And I kind of had that. I had the Hercules with the two of you, and I had more of the Buddha with, with Jeff. But there was enough commonality to to make that an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, I worked with Jeff when they brought Jeff into that group, and uh, he became the general manager basically for our group. And uh, I learned a lot from him too. Like he was pretty composed, like always composed, ninety nine percent of the time, right? And nothing, nothing kind of made him go. Yeah. He just was working, and some days it used to drive me nuts, <laughs> right? He was like, "Can you get annoyed about this?" Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. with Jeff, the other the other difference between Jeff. And John Granamy was that Jeff was always late and always forgot his wallet. That's true. <laughs> I remember one day we were driving back from Langenberg and we're about half hour towards Saskatoon and he says, Oh, I've left my binder. Yeah. Like he was just he was just bad for stuff like that. Right? So he phoned the dealer. He says, Can you go back? No, I can't go back. Phone the dealer and I said, Can you put on pure later for us tonight? The other fun thing about Jeff, I remember when I was talking about Jeff, is that he used to work late one night a week. And do you remember he used to measure his progress by how many pieces of paper he had on the floor? On the floor, yeah. Throwing stuff on the floor. And then when he had the floor was covered, then he knew it's time to go home because I've done yeah. enough work for the night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we great people, eh? That's why, you know, that's why we all stay somewhat connected over the years, right? You know, Jeff Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cartwright. I mean, I worked for a lot. Roy Street. I worked for some great guys. Even Jim Wright way back in the days after they bought Spartan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not, not only met really good people, but actually worked with good people. And I never, ever thought I would experience the Mohawk thing again. Yeah. But this power source crowd, pretty close. Hmm. And I still go to the annual lunches and all that kind of stuff for the Mohawk crew. Yeah. Well, I've had great leaders and great career experiences, but there was something very special about those Mohawk years and everybody feels that way. There was like, yeah. I think you said it, family. Uh, we were all just figuring things out. We were nice to each other. Um, it was really an amazing, amazing time in my career. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's actually quite amazing that a lot of people go to work and don't have a lot of fun or they don't like their job, or they don't like the people that, or what they're doing. And, you know, guys like you and me, we've been pretty fortunate over the years. Well, Danny, thank you. It was fantastic catching up. And um, I, I, I hope that we'll stay connected. Uh, Absolutely. Sure. And I'm really glad to have found you again. Danny, thank you very much. Take care. Be safe. Have a great holiday with the family. You guys too, Shaquille. And let's hope at some point next year I can see you in, in BC. Yeah, maybe we can go for a bowl trip or something. Yeah, that'd be fun. Take yeah. care. All right. Cheers. See ya. That's the family. Yeah, you guys too. I learned so much working with Danny and the sales team early in my career. First of all, it if it were not for that experience, I would have had a very different view of conflict. I didn't like conflict. I tried to stay away from it. But it was that experience that taught me that conflict actually can be productive. Being straightforward, honest, and candid is really important in business. Oftentimes, people on a team don't say the things they need to because they're worried that 
other people will react negatively and they back away from it because they're worried about being judged as offensive. Holding back undermines the team and the business because sometimes problems don't get put on the table. I learned that sometimes when people are angry, if we can just focus on the root cause of the anger and not get swept up away in the emotion, we will see the underlying issue and be able to identify what needs to get resolved. In this particular case at Mohawk Lubricants, one of the most important root causes of the conflict between sales and manufacturing were misaligned incentives. The plant made money when they sold base oil, the base ingredient for other companies' products. It didn't require any additional processing. It was easy to do. And that's what they wanted to focus their energies on. And it made sense because it kept, kept costs low. Whereas the sales and marketing team was set up and incented, in fact, they existed to market and sell branded products that had value-added components and work. And those products required blending, required additives, required labeling, required packaging, required transportation, required selling. All of these processes added costs. And if the prices for the manufacturing of the product from the plant were not low enough, the sales team were not able to be competitive as they added in all these other layers of cost. The sales team where I worked didn't want to carry too much product in inventory because it cost money to carry that product in inventory and it would further reduce profits. So when they sold something that wasn't in stock, they expected the plant to turn on a dime and restock it. And when they didn't, that frustrated the sales team. And when you realize the sales team's livelihood, the ability to put dinner on the table was based on the commission they got by selling product, you can understand why they'd be frustrated. Now, the conflicts were not personal. The conflicts were man-made constructions based on incentives. I went on to see that pattern occur in many other places that I worked. Usually conflict was something to be avoided. And it, when it wasn't avoided, the parties would end up blaming each other, criticizing each other. But when you have a leader in place that allows just enough conflict to play itself out to reveal the underlying systems issues, you can then start solving the bigger underlying problem. But without the conflict, oftentimes you wouldn't see this bigger problem. He also talked about Roy Street, right? His manager that was really genuine. And, and he talked about how he shared his thinking out loud. Danny still remembered lessons from that person, Roy Street, that he learned when he was in his 20s. And he is now in his 70s and he's still citing lessons from that person. And so look at the ripples that that early sales manager had in life. Danny passed on some of those lessons to me in my 20s. And here I am in my 50s, passing it on to you in a podcast. And those lessons have influenced my leadership. And so I have over time passed it on to others in my, in my teams. So if you are in a leadership role, don't underestimate the impact and the longevity of that impact that you are having, not just on the people that you lead and the people surrounding you that you work with, you are also having an impact on the people that those people will be leading and interacting with in the future. And I encourage you, if you have a leader that you respect, that you appreciate, take the time to reflect 
on what you are learning from that leader. Recognize it and perhaps even share it with them. Share it back to the person that taught you those lessons. And while I'm grateful that I got a chance to do that in this podcast and a number of conversations I've been having, don't let 30 years go by without letting the leader that you respect know the impact they've had on you. I learned how to be genuine from Danny. I learned about the importance of personal relationships. I learned the importance of telling it like it is and being candid. And I learned the importance of a sense of humor in the workplace. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, or share it. I want to say thank you to one of my favorite bands, Late Night Conversations, for sharing their song Chaos with me and letting me use it in this episode. You can learn more about them on Instagram at LNC Connected. And here's more of their song Chaos to take you out. Like racing on stationary animation taking me